0: In 2016, Greg and Olivia Bruner were preparing to get married. They uh, were, had plans already and the engagement was going to take place soon. There was just one thing that was troubling them a little bit, especially uh, Olivia. They had met two years previously while they were both in graduate school. And uh, as soon as they started to date, their friends began to mention how much uh, they looked like each other. And often when they met new people, uh, new people would ask, hey, are you, are you brother and sister? Are you related? And uh, that happened over and over and over a, a, again. And, and they were just about to be engaged and planning their wedding and, and all of those things. And Olivia, who had been adopted as a, as a young child and grew up in an adopted family just had in the back of her mind kind of these worst case scenarios that there was some kind of strange backstory that uh, they were really actually brother and sister because people always mention man you guys look so much alike you must be related and so they they purchased one of those home DNA tests you you see maybe some of you have done those and they they sent them away and the results came back and and they weren't related, and they got engaged, and, and today they're married. But uh, just one of those stories, and, and I read this article about Greg and Olivia and the fact that uh, you know scientists say this isn't uncommon. And there were all kinds of psychological reasons that we won't dive into as to why this might play out in people's lives. And, and then I, I, I pressed a link and read an article about the, the fact that uh, the longer people are together— the more they start to look like each other. And uh, there was a study done way back in 1987 by the University of Michigan that examined this seemingly true idea that people are together and they start to look more and more alike. And this study revealed that this is probably true. And they, they, they had all sorts of reasons that uh, sort of boiled down to this. They, they said that people get together because they have similar personalities and likes and interests and all of those things. And so they tend to react to those situations in a similar way and because of shared emotions and shared experiences you know even the way they react physically to those emotional emotions and experiences are similar and so they laugh at the same things at the same time and so the the wrinkles the lines that develop from laughing develop at the same rate and they start to look more and more and more like each other all of those ideas and those results boil down to this uh, if you the long you spend with somebody, the more you sort of become like that other person. And I think that's, that's probably true. Maybe as a, as a parent, you found yourself repeating things that your parents said because you grew up with them uh, saying those sorts of things. The longer you're around somebody, the more similar you become to them. And I think that's true in all of our relationships. And if it's true in sort of all of those relationships, then it's got to be true with our relationship with Jesus. As followers of Christ, we want to become more and more like him. That's really the point of this series, Camouflage, that we want to stand out by being more and more like Jesus. And so we ought to spend more and more time with him. That's really what happens in in Luke chapter 8 as as Jesus begins to tell this story. We learn from Luke chapter 8 and in Matthew where the same story is told that uh, Jesus has been uh, traveling around and he's been preaching and teaching certainly, but he's also been... uh, Healing folks that had all sorts of different kinds of diseases and ailments, and, and these mir- miracles were happening uh, with Jesus, and so people were coming out to see those miracles they were coming out to hear that teaching. The crowds were building, and, and in Luke chapter eight, we learned that, that folks came from all over the place to hear jesus and in matthew uh, Matthew describes it, the scene as as being so crowded that Jesus goes down by the, by the lake and, and he actually gives gets into a boat and pushes out from shore a little ways, sits down in this boat, and he begins to teach this crowd of people that has gathered. And he begins by telling this story. It would be a story that would be familiar to, uh, a familiar scene to his audience. He tells a story about a farmer who is scattering seed in his field. He wants to grow uh, these these crops in his field and so he scattered his seed like farmers of the day with his broadcast method just scattering seed as he went and some of the seed fell on on different types of soil some in his field and some outside of his field as he scattered the seed some f- fell on the path around the field and and, uh, and some fell on on soil that was just too dry that didn't have the right nutrients and some fell on soil that would eventually be overcome by weeds and and so the seed didn't uh, didn't thrive, and some of that seed fell on soil that was was good soil, and it had the right amount of moisture, and it had all the nutrients necessary, and so that seed took off, and plants grew, and and they had a bountiful crop uh, when the seed fell on the good soil. Uh, An interesting story that Jesus tells about a farmer and some seed and really about four different kinds of soil and what's necessary for that seed to grow. It's a story that teaches us what's necessary for not just a seed to grow, but for uh, each of us to grow in our relationship with him. What's necessary for us to become more spiritually mature, more like Jesus. We can absolutely stand out for Jesus through our, our love for His Word and, and that nutrients that we take in from His Word and, and our maturity as we grow in Him. I, I think the story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 8, we're going to look at Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15 this morning as we explore uh, three characteristics that Jesus' parable teaches us that we need to have in our lives in order to uh, Love God's Word and and to become and grow more like Jesus. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open them up to Luke chapter 8. At the top of your outline, uh, I think it says Luke chapter 18, which I'm sure is a great chapter, but we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, all right, verses 4 through 15 this morning. Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 15, this is what God's Word says. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. All right, an interesting story and an interesting uh, analysis as Jesus unpacks that story for his disciples. I think it teaches us three characteristics that we need to have in order to, to love God's Word well and to grow in that relationship with Jesus through his Word. Characteristic number one is to hold fast to God's word, hold fast to God's word. It's an old-fashioned statement that we're going to unpack in a minute. Let's let's look at verses. Uh, begin with verse nine here in in our story this morning. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, "To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand." I thought it was an interesting thing for Jesus to say. He uses some language that that just sort of uh, didn't make sense to me. He talks about secrets and that it's hard to hear and not easy to see. And he seems to be describing and saying that not everybody's going to understand this story that I'm telling, not, which sort of goes against this idea of this simple earthly parable, this simple story. We, we know a few things about the crowd that had gathered to uh, hear from Jesus. We know that they came from all over. Scripture says that they came from town after town and they had gathered together. And so we know that in this crowd, there were also sorts of different folks. There were folks who were there uh, because they had heard that Jesus had performed miracles and they just hoped to see something cool. There were folks that were there that were dealing maybe with some kind of illness or or disability and they were hoping for a miracle themselves or or for a a loved one, a family member. There were some folks there because they were truly interested in what Jesus said and there there were probably teenagers and kids that had been drugged along with mom and dad and they were there because the family was there and this is the outing that they they were supposed to hear, and and there were all sorts of different folks there. One of the things that would have been true about all of these people in Jesus' audience is that they would have, when Jesus started talking about a farmer scattering seed, they would have said, absolutely. You know, I've either done that, or I've watched my my father or somebody in my family do that. I've experienced this, because they all grew up in this agricultural community. society where they were grew their own food and they experienced this on on some level on a, in a very personal way and so it just seems odd to me that they they have trouble understanding the story that Jesus is is telling and, and really uh, the issue is, is is the story itself that it's describing folks who are coming to Jesus from all different backgrounds, in all different places, with all different sort of heart conditions. See, those four soils represent different heart conditions that we, we come to in relationship with Jesus. We come to his word with these different kinds of, of heart conditions. He, Jesus begins to unpack the parable by saying, now the parable is this, the seed is the, the word of God. The, the parable, the story, the point of the story isn't about the farmer or even about the quality of the seed. Well, the seed is the word of God. We know that it's, it's a quality seed. And that's not the issue at hand here the issue is the heart condition of the recipient the issue is the soil he goes on to say in verse 12 the ones along the path are those who have heard then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved as we think about what it means to hold fast to God's word, we, we begin with this soil, this path along that would have been on the outside of these fields. And all, all through the fields, there would have been paths surrounding it where farmers and, and folks had come to, to get the crops that they had followed over and over and over again. You, you've seen something like this occur, maybe in your yard or at a park. If, if you go to any baseball or softball, youth baseball or softball field in America, all right, and you go to the outfield you're probably going to find three patches of dirt Right? This is where the outfielders stand, and these patches of dirt are going to be, it's going to be harder than the, the, the grass and the soil surrounding it. And it'll be almost like concrete, and sometimes you'll see, you know, the, the, the maintenance folks try to plant grass in these areas, and they'll scatter seed on it, and they'll, they'll cover it with hay maybe a little bit, and they'll, they'll water it on occasion or straw. And, but it doesn't matter. When, when they do that, you'll see these swarms of bird in three spots in the outfield, because that seed just bounces off that hard soil. And it's easy pickings for those birds. And the same thing would have been true on these paths that surrounded the fields. Through constant traffic, they had been, they had, the soil had become so hard it was almost like concrete. And you scatter seed on it and it, would, it wouldn't have a soft landing place. And in any event, the, the birds would come and gobble it up right away. Oh, if we think about our hearts being hard, we need to, we need to be willing to create a, a soft landing place for God's Word. We, we need to be willing to, to hear from God's Word and allow it to sort of stick with us. I, I was looking through Twitter this last week, and I came across a tweet that I thought was just unremarkable. I'm a preacher, so I follow some other preachers, and this uh, this preacher had had written a tweet that that said, essentially young preachers, you need to pay attention to this. Young preachers, he said, the content of your presentation is more important than the style of your presentation. The content of your presentation, he went on to say, is more important than your style, like what you're wearing. And I found that to be a a completely unremarkable comment. I thought, of course, that's true. You know, it's more important what we're teaching than how we teach it. Or, or what certainly what we're wearing as we teach it. Have you ever read comments in Twitter? You know, you go through and you read the comments and it's like, what in the world? This guy was just attacked for making this statement. People said, oh no, it really matters the style. And if, if you don't like the style, you can't hear the, the preacher. And sometimes we, we allow our personal preferences to create this hard landing spot. Even when we we show up in a place expecting to have God's word unpacked, we, we allow our preferences to sort of create this hardened soil, this hard heart. You know, the preacher doesn't preach with a style we like. The music isn't quite what we intended. The room's too hot or the room's too cold. It's too dark or, hey, I can see my neighbor. I don't like that. And, you know, we worry about even what the preacher is wearing. I, you, you know, you're like, oh, that big heavy guy, he's wearing slippers as he preaches. What's wrong with him, right? And so we allow sort of these the, these preferences to keep us perhaps from hearing God's Word. And the same thing's true even as we open the, the Bible individually and, and study it. Sometimes we just have this landing uh, area in our heart that's too hard for God's Word to penetrate. Uh, verse 15 begins by saying that this good soil has a, is, is, is a heart that holds fast to God's Word. That's an old-fashioned way of saying simply that we're not going to let go that we're going to hold on for dear life. And sometimes, you know, you think about having a strong enough grip on something, and you think, well, there's a certain level of maturity that has to be present before you can hold on to something for dear life. And and I thought about that, and, and as I did, I remembered when my kids were just brand new. You know, you're around a little infant, and we, we treat infants all sort of the same. We do goofy things, right? We, we talk to them maybe in goofy voices. You're like, oh, you're so cute, you're so cute, you're so... You know, we do silly things like that. And then every parent has at some point held out their finger, and their little infant has grabbed onto their finger. And you've experienced this, like, where you're like, what in the world i have just the strongest human ever, right? You're trying to pull away from this little baby and they're just holding on and their grip is so tight. I'm not smart enough to know why that seems to be true, but I want to believe that it's because, oh, they love their mother so much, right? They love their dad so much that they're just holding on and they're not gonna let go. And, and there's not this, this physical maturity that's responsible for that. Well, we don't have to be a Bible scholar to be able to dive into God's Word and for it to make a difference in our life. You don't need to be a, a preacher. You don't have to have this level of, of off-the-chart spiritual maturity for in order for God's Word to make a difference. You just have to dive in and start uh, seeking answers in His Word. I, I heard a preacher Uh, say this this week that we we need when we open god's word you know when we come to church maybe on a sunday morning when we're at bible study when we're in those individual times of worship and we open god's word we need to pray this simple prayer and it's a simple prayer that mike bro this this preacher taught me this week he just said uh, we need to ask god god as you are teaching help me be teachable God, as you are teaching, help me be teachable. Help me to have a, a landing place for the seed, for for your word in my life. And we just need to hold on to his word and dive in and, and allow it to, to land. And so we, we should get started in reading his word. Uh, it, it, you, sh- you need a time every, every day when you're spending some time in God's Word. I use this method. I think I have a picture of it. This is actually uh, from my journal for Luke chapter 8. Sometime last year, I wrote in my journal and I use this method. It's just soap method. It's not original to me, but it's really simple. You write S, that's the scripture. So I write the scripture reference. In this case, it's Luke chapter 8. And then I write an O for observation, right? And so then I'm going to write just what I see in that scripture. So what happened in the story? What is Jesus teaching about? In Luke chapter 8, I wrote something to the effect that there are all kinds of miracles that happen in the story, and yet people are still sort of confused and searching for the truth of who Jesus is. And so that's just what happens in Luke chapter 8. And then an A for application, and I'm just trying to unpack what does that mean for me and my life. You know, what What am I going to do with this fact that Jesus is able to heal, that Jesus is the source of, of all these good things that, and yet people, sometimes we still have this hard spot in our heart and won't allow that seed to penetrate. So what am I going to do to change that? And then, then P is just for prayer. And, and some people love to write out all their prayers. I, 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 uh, I tend to think of this sort of as an essay, right? And so I'm going to write that topic sentence, that theme sentence, and, and that's my prayer. And then I'm going to, spend some time in prayer. And so that's what my journal looks like. And that's not perfect. That's not the only way to spend time in God's word or whatever, but it's one way for us to dive in and just to hold on, to hold on to the hand of God. Uh, there are other ways for us to to put God's word and, and to Capture it and hold on to it with all that we can. Uh, this last year, we talked about challenged people to memorize 100 verses in 2019. I've got a confession to make. I, I didn't memorize all 100. I'm still working on it. I, I haven't given up. I, you know, I'm, I'm part of the way through, and I'm just going to keep going. And I'm not sure like how many years it's going to take me to get all 100. Right? I'm not that bright, I guess. But I'm going to keep working on that. And I challenge you to do the same. Psalm 119:11 says, "You know we hide God's word in our heart so that we might not sin against Him. Uh, you know, it gives us direction. It allows us to hold on to his hand tightly if we can just hide his word in our heart, if we can memorize it. So participation in in a small group, our small groups are beginning, a brand new semester, they'll start this week. That's another way for us to dive into God's word and to hold on to his hand. Hebrews chapter 10 verses 24 and 25 remind us that we just ought not stop meeting together as God's people that we need to spend time with each other in his word, worshiping him. And so that's, that's a, a spot like this on Sunday mornings. That's in our small groups that are just beginning. That's participating perhaps in our ministry team. We, we talk about here at Wallula Christian Church that we exist to glorify God by equipping believers and transforming the casual. And we talk about being fully equipped and fully transformed, or on that path to being fully equipped and fully transformed. And we say these three venues are a Great place for you to start. You need to participate in these three areas. And I used to say, well, that's three hours a week that we're asking uh, for people to serve and to lead. And I, I think that's probably disingenuous, right? I, I think there, there's more time involved in it than that, okay? Because the preacher, he's going to preach too long. All right. We're not going to get out of here in 65 minutes, hopefully 70. But, you know, and so he's going to go too long. There's a little extra time in that. So let's figure two hours a night and let's say six hours a week that it takes for those three venues to kind of happen. You can go to eight hours a week and whatever you think this is somewhere between six and eight hours a week. And I thought, man, is that too big of a step for folks to take? I, I read an article this last week about cell phone usage in the United States. This is not a brand new article, so it's a little bit older, but they said the average cell phone use by a, an individual in the United States per day is three hours a day spent on their phone, sending emails, you know, checking social media, playing that word puzzle game you know, that you're addicted to. I'm addicted to right now. I'm playing that game. you know, and It was so it's three hours a day on, on your cell phone. Look, I'm a preacher, so I wasn't a math major, but you add that up, you multiply that by seven, we're talking about more than six hours a week or eight hours a week, right? That we're just kind of maybe wasting, you know, staring at a screen. In other words, this is a doable thing. We can hold on to God by prioritizing uh, these venues and and prioritizing time in his word individually. We can do this. We can take that step and we can hold fast to God's word. We can hold on for all that we are. Uh, Characteristic number two is that we need to receive his word with with an honest and good heart. Look at verse 13 here in Luke chapter 8. Verse 13 says, And and the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. So Jesus talks about this rocky soil, and initially it sounds an awful lot like the, uh, the path around the fields, except this would be inside that field. And so we know that good farmers don't have rocks in their field, and so he's probably not talking about just these rocks, boulders, or whatever sitting in a field. Instead, he's, he's probably referring to like the bedrock underneath the soil. And and. You might know that in some places that bedrock is closer to the top than in others. And if it's too close to the, the top soil, there's not enough depth there for plants to take root and to really grow. And so there's not enough moisture, there's not enough nutrients. And, and so that's what Jesus is talking about. And if you've ever had plants in that sort of situation, what happens? Well, they look great for a little while. And then they sort of wither and die. Uh, Many years ago when we moved into our home, you've heard me talk about before the disaster that is my yard. I'm that neighbor that you're mad at, all right? And so the yard's a disaster. Many years ago when we moved in, they said, we're going to put sod down for for your yard, and that'd be so awesome. And so that'd be good. And say, this is the day they said we're going to do that. I was serving as a youth pastor, and I said, well, this is the deal. We're leaving for camp on that day, and then we'll be at CIY. And so everybody will be gone for like 12 of these 14 days nobody will be at home and and so I'd really you know if you could wait to do the sod until after we got home that would be best and they they said well our schedule just won't allow that the builder said we have to do it now but don't worry I'll I'll look after it I'll take care of it and so they they put the sod down and it was beautiful green we watered it a couple days and and everything was going well we left for those couple of weeks and we came back and that beautiful green sod was brown and dead because it just wasn't enough moisture it didn't have time to take root and to grow deep and and that's what jesus is talking about we've seen that happen with plants but we've also seen that happen in our own lives where we've been excited about something that we heard on a sunday morning and we we wanted to take off and and get involved and and it just sort of withered on the vine that week or the second week. We, we've studied God's Word and we, we realize this is a change I need to make in my life, but it just didn't take because the roots just didn't go deep enough. Jesus describes this as having an honest and good heart. And I thought, well, that's quite a statement because there's been times in my life when, when uh, you know, I just haven't allowed those roots to take place. Does that mean my heart wasn't honest and good? I, I go back to, to verse nine here uh, because I really think this is key. Uh, you notice the difference between folks when Jesus warns, hey, whoever has ears, let them hear. And then I imagine some of the crowd kind of like, what in the world is he talking about? And they kind of walk away. And, and it's just the disciples that get this uh, in-depth analysis of what in the world the parable meant. And I wondered, why is this true? Is it because of access to Jesus? That's potentially an issue, but I don't think that's the reason. Is it because they were spiritually uh, better, that their hearts were more honest and good than everyone else. I mean, I don't think so. I, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's the issue. I think verse nine really holds the answer. They had they received this this in-depth study of that parable because they asked. They said, "Hey Jesus, what's up with this?" Jesus, what did you mean when you said? They got started and they sought. Jesus. They kept looking for answers. January 12th is an important day. It's a big day. Do you know why? Experts agree that January 12th is the day that New Year's resolutions die. This is how long they last. Uh, Over uh, 80% of people will make New Year's resolutions and 8% We'll successfully complete those. We'll carry them out in the new year. Why is the success rate so low? Is it because we don't have honest, sincere, good hearts? Our intentions aren't valuable and important and good when we begin? I don't think that's it at all. I don't have all the answers, but I think one of the reasons that uh, our New Year's resolutions die, maybe even by January 12th, is because our goals are just, they're they're too big. We kind of jump into the thing right away and we say, we're going to do this. It it would be like if I decided in 2020, I wanted to run five miles a day. And so I started, I, I didn't do this. I don't know if you can tell. On January 2nd, on January 1st, I'm going to go run five miles. That would be a bad thing for me, all right? I've got to start sort of running from the front of this room to the back of the room. You know, that's, that's sort of where I need to go. And then maybe the next week I do that twice. And the next week I do that three times. I don't know, you know, I haven't put a lot of thought into this, right? But the point is, hey, we've got to grow this over time you know, and we jump right into this, this big idea of I'm going to run a marathon or I'm going to run five miles a day. And January 12th, you know, my ankles are swollen and I'm done. I'm out. I'm out of this. And the same thing can be true spiritually. If you're, if you're in a place where you've never opened the Bible individually to study it on your own, then then you know maybe maybe don't jump into the Bible reading plan that's going to take you through in a year but requires you to read 12 chapters a day. You know that might not be the place to begin. Don't get bogged down even in a book like where you're ah, I've got to get through Leviticus in this schedule. You know, begin in a place where it, you're going to be able to, to read maybe five minutes a day is, is what you can ma- manage right now. My suggestion would be open up to the Gospel of John and begin reading five minutes a day. And then use some method to, to sort of track that. You know, maybe it's the soap method. You don't have to read a whole chapter or two chapters or any length. You can do it. Just five minutes a day, I'm going to read John 1.1 1, 1 to John 1.10, wherever you get right five minutes and and write down what you've observed and how you can apply it and pray about what's going on in your life and and maybe that'll make a difference in 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 your life and what you're praying about right now allow those roots to take hold and grow and get past january 12 and when you're past january 12 that's going to continue to grow and you'll get to that five mile mark right You'll get to that point where you, you continue to grow and your roots continue to, to go deep. And no matter the obstacle you'll face, you'll, you'll be able to continue. I heard a story about a guy named Paul. Paul was a guy who had dealt with all kinds of issues in his life. He had been to uh, in trouble with the law uh, for a period of time and and eventually he gives his life to jesus and he 's changed direction and he 's just so excited about that relationship. but some of those past mistakes caught up with him, and he was eventually sentenced to three years in prison for some of those the crimes that he had or he said he hadn 't committed but you know he, he also said, "I did enough stuff they didn 't catch me for you know anyway so three years he was convicted and, and sentenced to prison. And he told his preacher, I'm going to treat these three years like it was three years of s- seminary. And I'm just going to devour God's word. And so after his time in prison, he came out with a Bible that was so marked up. It was so full of post-it notes. And his preacher asked him, what, what are those blue post-it notes? He had little tabs that he'd torn off post-it notes and these blue post-it notes all over his Bible. And he said, those are things that I still need to work on. And the preacher asked him, Well, what are those yellow post-it notes? And, and and Paul said, Those are things that I need to work on after I'm done with the blue things. Right? And he went down the list. The orange post-it notes were about marriage, and, and the green post-it notes were about parenting, and he had just broken out and devoured God's word. And no matter the obstacles we face, we can continue to allow those roots to grow deep. We can seek Jesus. I think that's what he meant by a a sincere and honest and good heart. Characteristic number three is that we need to be allowing God's word to bear fruit with patience. It ought to change us. And the way we live and what we do, let's, let's look at this kind of soil that Jesus teaches about in verse 13 uh, or 14. And as for the, that that fell among the thorns, they are those who, who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life and their fruit does not mature. You know we think about these these weeds that come in, and we 've all experienced this maybe in a garden, you, you, you forget about it for a few days, and the weeds come in and they take over and, and it 's such a mess and, and they can just overtake an entire yard or an entire garden and when we think about our own lives there 's all sorts of things that could choke out our spiritual growth right our, our willingness to study god 's word and be on it and Sometimes we think about those things as these sort of really big you know the top three sins in our life, but it can be something as simple as our schedule. We just think, man, I I don't, I've got to go here and I've got to be here and then I've got this meeting and I've got to be, you you know, pick up the kids here and and we just add things to that schedule and we overschedule ourselves to the point where we're, we're choking out that opportunity to open God's word individually and study it. I just want to encourage you that there, there's time in the day, right? You think about that cell phone usage, you can find and prioritize time to do this. And secondly, it really makes a difference. It changes us. It'll bear fruit in your life. The Institute for Bible Engagement did this study about how often people studied God's Word on their own and how often they opened it up and studied it, and they they came to some conclusions that they weren't really looking for uh, about the impact that doing that on a daily basis makes in somebody's life. They concluded that if you open the Bible, if you read the Bible one time a week, that it will have hardly any effect on what you're doing and your outcome in any situation in your life it just won't have much of an impact if you open the bible and study it two times a week not really much change at all if you open the bible and study it three times a week there was a minimal kind of blip on the statistics if you open the bible and study it at least four times a week it just shot off the charts and the difference that it made in all sorts of different areas People who talked about an issue with loneliness said that the issue with loneliness, the statistics bared out that it decreased 30% when you read the Bible at least four times a week. That anger issues decrease 31% when you read the Bible at least four times a week. That issues in relationships, maybe in marriage or with your kids or co-workers or whatever it is, that those issues decrease 40% when you read scripture four times a week. That issues with alcoholism decrease 57%. That this idea of being spiritually stagnant—have you ever said to somebody, "I just feel stuck. I don't feel connected to God. I, I just feel stagnant. I'm in the same place." That that idea and that feeling uh, decrease 60 percent when you read scripture at least four times a week. Kind of on the opposite side, this, this fruit we want to bear and have, have spring up in our lives as followers of Jesus uh, is sharing faith shot up over 200% by reading Scripture at least four times a week. The willingness and desire and ability and actually discipling someone shot up 230% when we read Scripture over four times a week, at least four times a week. When we're in God's Word on our own daily, that impact will be real in your life. It's going to make a difference. We can stick with it. We can allow those, those roots to grow deep, and we can allow that fruit as we stick with it and have patience to grow in our life. My son has been home from, from college for this Christmas break and just about ready to go back. When he, when he got home, he, he talked about some of his, his friends who were sick. They, they had the flu and colds and stuff while they were in school. And, and one of his other friends, when she heard about some folks being sick, she said, well, I've got these oils that I can let you use. And, and Clayton said, what in the world is this? And, and, uh, and we're not big essential oil folks in, in our family. I don't know much about these, but uh, this friend said, I can give you these oils and they'll make you better. I did a little research and just very little research on these essential oils, right? And it, it turns out that there's some validity to to some of the things they do. And, and I just wondered, you know, is the impact really as big as people say? Because some people are really sold on these, you know, if you have have a cold you, you sniff some peppermint or whatever and boom you're good right you're okay it, it's all going to be good don't go to the doctor ever again and uh, and i just thought well is that really what what goes on and, and i'll be honest all right i've never felt the impact from essential oils all right i've, I've never been sick and gotten better because of essential oils Uh, I've never, you know, been sad and had my mood changed because of essential oils. You know, I've never felt the impact of any of those things. I will also readily admit that I have never, to my knowledge, rubbed, ingested, or breathed essential oils. All right, so uh, I probably ought not expect any of those changes. I'm still skeptical, by the way. Don't send any emails, all right? I don't want any, okay? Okay, uh, but, and and I know some of you love them. I heard somebody say, my diffuser's going. Don't leave because I don't like essential oils, okay? Just hang in there. But I haven't experienced any of the good effects because I haven't taken time to ingest them, to use them, however you use them. Look, I, I can promise you, and there are other folks in this room who will, who will promise you as well that when you take the time to, uh, to hold on to God's hand, to allow those group, roots to grow deep, and just to stick with him, to study his word, to dive into it, that his word will make a difference in your life. Let's stand and worship him now.